I would encourage you to, to get your Bibles, if you don't have them open already, to 2 Peter. If you don't have a Bible, I would, I would encourage you to grab the, the pew Bible that's in front of you. It's on page 1018. As Bob was reading through this passage, there are really two words that stand out to me. I wonder if they stood out to you as well. That if these qualities are yours and abound, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Ineffective and unfruitful. They will keep you from that kind of life. Peter wants this church, as he's writing this letter, this church that's been scattered, as we find in 1 Peter, uh, across Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, a church that has been scattered and experiencing suffering and persecution. He doesn't want this church to come to a place of feeling like they have no power, that God has forgotten about them, that they are are without access to the strengthening power and ability that God can produce to help them thrive in the Christian life. I wonder how many of us in this room, when we evaluate our life and we kind of look back, those of us, I, I've just turned 50, and, and so I, I look back on life and I think, has my life given testimony to fruitfulness and productivity? And will the future, will my future life evidence the, the power of God, the fruitfulness of God, the effectiveness of God to accomplish his purposes through me. Because if we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and that God prepared those works beforehand that we should walk in them, then God has, for everybody in this room who is a person of faith, God has a work for you to do, a purpose for you to accomplish, and he has not left you without the power to accomplish it. So Peter wants this church to realize That they don't have to work out their salvation on their own power. They don't have to accomplish the purposes that God has given to them on their own strength. They don't have to feel impotent. They don't have to feel weak. They don't have to feel ineffective. They can access the power of God that spoke the world into existence. That power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is indwelling them through the Holy Spirit and can cause them to be effective in this world. And Peter wants this church that's struggling in so many ways to try to understand what God is calling them to and how they're gonna be able to work out that kind of purpose. Peter wants them to know they have power the power of God to accomplish the purposes of God. This whole little letter, Peter is drawing a contrast. He wants this church to know there's only one of two options. There's only two courses in life. There are two paths in life. There is a path of barrenness or a path of fruitfulness. There is a path that leads to emptiness or a path that leads to fullness. There is a path that leads to a stagnant life, a static kind of life, or there is a path that leads to an abundant life, a growing life, a productive life. And Peter wants this church to know that if they 
share in like precious faith as we saw in verse 1. They have access to all of the gifts of God that can lead them to enjoying and experiencing the benefits of this kind of life. When I was in sixth grade, this is uh, going back to the dark ages, uh, we, on Arbor Day, they would give every student in the class a tree to go home and plant. And man, I got that little tree and it looked not a whole lot different from this, uh, just kind of like an overgrown weed. But I was so excited to go home and plant this tree and see it just grow. Because we know all living things grow. And so I thought, I'm going to plant this tree. I'm going to water this tree. I'm going to take care of this tree. I'm going to make sure that this tree is going to be the best little tree in our yard. And I had to keep my dad from mowing over it a couple times because uh, that almost happened. But year after year after year, that tree didn't look a whole lot different from this. I got it in sixth grade, and in seventh grade, it looked about the same. In eighth grade, it looked about the same. And all the way through high school, it didn't really grow any taller than what you see. I went off to college. This has been now seven years of going by. I came home, and all of a sudden, an explosion took place, and that tree showed the life that was resident within it. The, the evidence of growth and health was finally present in this tree. Peter wants to make it clear that if you share in like precious faith with the great apostle Peter, who God has used to, to found and plant this church, God had used mighty Peter to accomplish great things for him, and yet they share this like precious faith to Peter and have access to all the same power. The indwelling power of God to accomplish the same kinds of works in them that he was able to accomplish in Peter. And we find that this, this like precious faith opens the door. It's the gateway to enjoy the grace and peace that God has, the good gifts that God has for every believer. That's what we saw in verse 2. Like precious faith opens the door to God's gifts. His grace, his kindness, his benevolence. It's all wrapped up in that word grace. And, and one of the predominant features of that grace, it's not a static kind of grace. It's an active kind of grace. It's the kind of grace that leads and introduces power to his people. That's what we saw last week. Divine power, the very indwelling power and presence of God that comes to the life of every single believer. That is one of God's great gifts. It's the kind of power that is unrivaled, unmatched, unconquerable, supreme. It always wins. It always accomplishes the objectives that God has in store for it to accomplish. So that every believer, every person of faith in this room, every person of faith who's watching this live stream has the ability, the strength of God to do what God commands. Not by pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, not by uh, conditioning themselves to be more disciplined in life, but by yielding and submitting themselves to the indwelling power of God, accessing 
power. It's meant to strengthen them for every aspect of life, for all of life and godliness. It is comprehensive in totality in being able to help them in in every walk of life, every part of life, so they can truly love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, every component, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, all can be made possible because of the power of God. They can love God with the totality of their being because of power, which is a grace of God that comes through faith in God to those who enjoy like precious faith. Does your life demonstrate the power of God. When you evaluate your life, do you see the evidence of God's power? Well, how does that power show up, you might ask? And this morning, we're gonna see that that kind of power. We're gonna see the the evidence of that power. We're gonna see the the fruitfulness of that power. And that's what the, the apostle Peter has in mind today. He wants to talk about this indwelling power that accomplishes two different things. And we see in verse 8, and then we see in verse 10, the the two results of power. Notice, just as an introduction, verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of God. The indwelling power of God will make you fruitful. That's our first point this morning. It will produce fruitfulness. It's inevitable. It will happen. As you access power, as you let the indwelling power of God work in your life, it will produce fruitfulness. Verse 10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, here it is again, you will never fall. And here, Peter is directing our attention to the faithfulness that God will produce in the life of a believer. That's gonna be our second point. We'll get there eventually. God's power will make you faithful. God's power will make you fruitful. (laughs) Everything that you need for life and godliness, from the point of conversion to the time you hit the finish line and go home to be with him in heaven, God's power will make every part of the Christian life possible through the strengthening power of God. And that's what we'll see. We'll see the evidence of these qualities, the evidence of his work, his power in our life in these ways. It will fundamentally change us so that we don't have to be defined by our past. We don't have to be defined by those previous difficulties and challenges and brokenness and sinful tendencies that we once had. We don't have to be defined by our our previous alcoholism. We don't have to be defined as an abuser or as one who is given to anger or one who is an addict in any way. We're not defined by our previous sins. We're defined by the work of God in our life. We're defined by the way that that God defines us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where he says, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people to proclaim the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has reconfigured, redefined, uh, readjusted, and changed us fundamentally from who we once were to now make us entirely new creatures in Christ. And that's what Peter wants this church to understand. There is hope. There is hope because there is power. Power available to us. So let's look at these one at a time. The first is found in verses 5 to 9. The indwelling power of God to make you, faith, uh, to make you fruitful. To make you fruitful. I want to make some observations as we walk through this passage together. What does this fruitfulness do? What does it look like? How does it show up? First, I, I want you to notice that it's a fruitfulness that is personal, active, and complete. Personal, active, and complete. We see this in several different ways. We see this in verse 5. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. This word, make every effort, in verse 5, helps us to see the active nature of this fruitfulness because it uses a participle, which helps us just call attention to the fact that, that once you begin in the Christian life and you have access to this undiminished power of God, this accessibility to his working in your life, his strengthening help, that when you access that moment by moment, day by day, from the start of conversion all the way to the finish line where you go see Jesus one day, your life should be characterized by this kind of effort. Make every effort. Then in verse 5, he also says, supplement your faith with virtue. He personalizes it. He uses a personal pronoun here to, to call attention to the investment that you must make on your own. You see, other people can't build these qualities for you. Other people can't access God's power for you. This is something that you are required to do for yourself. And you can't just do it through osmosis. You can't do it, just do it by, by sitting in a church service and hoping that the, the power of God will, will affect you through the power of others. It is, a, it is a power that you must access and you must tap into for yourself. The power of God that is there for you. And notice each of these qualities involve the inner person. Whether you're talking about faith or virtue, or knowledge, or self-control, or perseverance, or godliness, or brotherly affection, or love. Any one of these qualities that Peter is drawing attention to is something that must happen on the inside. Not just dressing up the outside, not just putting a good face on, but there is a, there is a quality of, of completion, this inner life that will then show up on the outside. This holistic view, the whole person is in view. All of life in godliness, this comprehensive nature of change and identity that is taking place. And then in verse 8, if these qualities are yours, emphatic, present, active participle, yours and continues to be yours, and abounds, also present, active participle, it's abounding, it's increasing, it's, it's ever-growing in your life. It's not stagnant. They will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. 
Peter is describing this personal, active, complete, holistic view of the power of God in life. So how does this happen? Well, the first few words of verse 5 is, for this reason. There's emphasis here where Peter is, he's just pumping up this church. He wants them to recognize the hope they have to do what God has called them to. All of these qualities are life of made possible because of the power of God that's available to them. For this reason, because of the power, because of the promises we've looked at in, in verses three and four, then you can do these things as you call attention to the promises of God and as you rely and depend on the power of God, you can enjoy the change and transformation of God in your life. Peter is pumping up hope. They don't have to be a passenger in life. They don't have to be a victim of circumstances. And certainly, this church that was scattered across what is modern-day Turkey could have considered themselves to be victims and hostages of the circumstances of life. But, but Peter wants them to know that you don't have to be a bystander. You don't have to be a spectator. You don't have to be disengaged, but you need to actively pursue power and put it to work in your life. You can put the power of God to work. So how do we do this? Verse five says, make every effort. That's the English standard version. The New King James says, giving all diligence. There are three words here in the Greek that, that call attention to bringing forth something that is additional, something that, that, that contributes more or adds to. This word, every or all, talks about the totality of all of your effort being focused in this one area. And diligence is to do quickly, in a hurry, to do in haste, to do with eagerness. It's the same word that he'll use in verse 10. So verses 8 and verse 10 are kind of parallel to one another. The things that we get to enjoy because of the diligence of allowing the power of God to have its way. The active pursuit of building these qualities in life. In other words, apply yourself completely to this task. You have indwelling power. Learn to unleash the divine power of God in your life. Let divine power have its way in you. That's what Peter wants to say. If there is untappable, unquenchable, unconquerable power that is available to us as believers, then all we have to do is just allow that, that power to have its way and we'll be able to enjoy the benefits of fruitfulness as he promises. There was a guy who came uh, through our parking lot at the end of our service last week and he was towing uh, a, a big boat behind him. And I'm pretty ignorant about, about boats, but I knew it was, it was a pretty cool boat. And I, I, I said, I asked him, so, so that looks like a pretty strong boat. You, you, what do you do with it? Do you, do you tow people in skiing? He said, oh, no, no. You can never tow somebody in skiing. It's way too powerful for that. Um, apparently, you'd pull somebody's arms off if you use that, that boat. So that kind of power. And he gave me all the statistics of the, of the twin engines, and I, you know, I wish I could remember that for you, but it was a strong, amazing kind of boat. But the Christian life is just like that. 
only multiplied by a billion. That kind of power is what we have access to. The kind of pull your arms off kind of power that that God can utilize in our life to actually put to work this power and to enjoy the benefits of the qualities that he has called us to enjoy. Real power. Open up the engine kind of power. The power of God. And it will lead fundamentally to a new change of identity from the inside out. Not just dressing up the outside, not just uh, playing a part, but, but allowing the work of God to fundamentally change who we are. New virtue, new knowledge, new self-control, new perseverance, new godliness, new affection for one another. I think that sometimes what we struggle with so much in the Christian life is trying to do the Christian life in our power when it can only be accomplished in divine power. Kind of like this cubic zirconia. You know, we, we, we like cubic zirconia because it looks really pretty. It, it sparkles really nice. It, it impresses on the surface, but it's really counterfeit on the inside. In the Christian life, We want to dress it up. We want to to look the part. We have, as Paul will say, the appearance of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And and what Paul wants the church to understand is, is we can be fundamentally different. We can access this kind of power as we come to know and abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He, he talks about that all the way at the very beginning. This knowledge of God that will help to change the inside person. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And in verse 3, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. In verse 8, you'll neither be ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we are people who are saturated with the knowledge of God, are pursuing a deeper understanding of who God is, are, are allowing our life to be permeated and changed by knowing God, not just intellectually, but by putting that knowledge to work, we'll begin to enjoy the fruitfulness, this active, complete kind of personal fruitfulness that God has in store for us. Second, it's a fruitfulness that involves every spiritual discipline. It involves every spiritual discipline. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you will not be ineffective or unfruitful. We must see these as interwoven, interconnected, independent on one another. And honestly, up until about last week when I started studying this passage, 
My thought was that each of these qualities would happen as you kind of graduated to the next level of spiritual maturity. So you kind of build out your faith, and then you can kind of grow in your virtue, right? And, and then once you have virtue figured out, then you can, take, you can take the next step into growing in knowledge. And then once knowledge is where it needs to be, then you can move on to the next level of spirituality. And finally, you'll have arrived and be a person who loves the way you're supposed to love. And Peter does have an understanding of a growing, maturing, developing process. There is a process that's built in. He, he, he builds it this way. He even uses words that talk about supplementing, which talks about, it's this ancient word for a choir master. And in the first century, what would happen is when you put together this, this really big concert for the community, the, the choir master was on the hook to provide everything for all the people who were involved. All the instruments, all the equipment, all of the, the, the venue, all, all of the things that were necessary for that concert to happen, the choir master was on the hook to make it happen. Providing in abundance, this, this ever-abundant supply. It's a word that indicates fullness and completeness, just like what we've seen. And so when we think about each of these qualities, we need to see them as the, the full composite of what, of what we are to have in the Christian life. That when we lift faith, it's also lifting virtue and also lifting knowledge, and thus lifting self-control. It all kind of comes along for the ride. It's add to, supplement with, make sure they're all included. Have the full composite of all of these qualities in your repertoire so that you can grow in the spiritual life. And when you advance in that way, then you can graduate to the next level of spirituality. Maybe you can imagine instead of just a, a, a step or a stair that has one quality at a time, maybe imagine for yourself a, a stair that's made up of bricks of all of these qualities at once. They're all interrelated. And, and the reason why we know that, that, that love isn't the final combination of true and full discipleship is because love must be true of every disciple regardless of where they are on the spiritual continuum. Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. First, it's love. Jesus says to his disciples in the upper room, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John will say in 1 John chapter 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God. And so fundamentally, you know you're a believer, not if you've graduated through the whole system and finally arrived at love, but if love is the composite of your life, at least in some expression of reflection of God's love to others, that it's present, it's active, and it's growing. And so all of these qualities grow together. They're all interrelated. They all need to be worked on at the same time so that you learn to be godly by learning to persevere. You learn in hard times what it means to believe that God is faithful. And, and so faith and knowledge work together with, with self-control and perseverance, and they all help fill out the continuum so you can take the next step into spiritual maturity. 
and you grow in a whole new dimension of knowledge and the process starts all over again until you get to glory. It all works together. It all develops in fullness. It's intended to be understood as a, as a package. But it's a process that's inevitable. The power of God put to work will keep you from being ineffective. It will keep you from being unfruitful. God will accomplish it because his power prevails. His power wins. And we will come full circle again with this new knowledge of God that activates new faith in God and and points to new fullness and fruitfulness in their spiritual life. Third, it is a fruitfulness that demands life with the body. It demands life with the church. It can't, these qualities can't be isolated from one another and these developing these qualities can't be isolated from growing as a body of believers. Growth in the Christian character demands the presence of the body of Christ. You can't grow in virtue without people. This goodness or excellence or pleasing God. You can't please God unless you carry out the function by which God has called you to carry out. Whether you're a husband or a wife, whether you're a child or whether you're an employee, all parts of life in order to please God will be compared with the the scripture and demand that there is community. You can't show moral excellence You can't please God without fulfilling the role that God has called you to fulfill. And those roles can only happen as you're in community with God's people. Knowledge. Knowledge is, as we said last week, not merely academic or theological, but it's the knowledge of God, understanding of God that is then coupled with experience. I think about the best cooks. We were just having a conversation in the lobby about being a, a good cook. And I think about my grandma, and I think about the, the ability that she had to make the best pies. Every time I went, her pies and her bread were exceptional. She had directions, and she had ingredients, and she had a, a, a way to, to, to make this recipe, but she never followed it because she knew it. She knew it in her head. She knew it by experience. And she knew that depending upon the weather and depending upon the humidity in the room, she needed to add more flour or more water or more yeast, and she needed to work with this dough in a special way. And every time she made it, it was perfect because she knew by experience, not just mental cognition of the ingredients and the directions in the recipe, but she knew because she had done it. This is the kind of knowledge that Peter is is talking about here, the, the kind of personalized knowledge that takes investment of time. Steadfastness, which is to remain under pressure endurance and patience. It's a, another fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of the Spirit's life within you. Godliness, which is the word Eusebia, At the heart of spiritual pursuit is this, godliness. From the term we get reverence to God, honoring God. And as we referred to last week, seeing the the excellence of God, the beauty of God, and enjoying 
the wonder of who God is, exalting him. And of course, brotherly affection and love. None of those can happen independent of the church. You can't express family kind of love without the people in the family being present. Peter wants this church to recognize the significance of the qualities happening as they are in relationship with others who also belong to Christ. We've talked about belonging as part of our core values as a church, and we have this banner up here that kind of reminds us of why we exist, uh, one of the four core purposes. Belonging, as we've said, is actively pursuing the health of the whole. This is our responsibility to, to be the kinds of individuals in the church who care about the spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of those in whom we're in, in community. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16 kind of describes this when he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is what the church is meant to do. As we belong to Christ and we belong to one another, we are concerned about the welfare of those with whom we're in community. We're concerned about their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs. We look to engage. We look to be involved. We look for ways to support and help them. We are part of the regular fellowship. We, we help when there are things like Maranatha Movers. We are involved when there are opportunities to serve and to learn and to teach and to pray together. We do this because we recognize that we can't grow in the spiritual life without one another. And when we recognize the significance of these qualities, we'll see, as we find in verse 8, that we will abound. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective, ineffruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. These people are abounding in the things of the Lord. It's the, a word to, to describe becoming more and more increasing in abundance, overflowing to the point of having too much. And so when we have more than enough, it's easy to share. We're, in, when we're, we're enjoying the, the benefits of the power of God in our life. When we're experiencing his presence and enjoying the, the, the benefits of, 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 of his power in our life, then we want to share that power with others and we do that through our belonging. Finally, the indwelling power of God will make us faithful. The indwelling power of God will make you faithful. This is perhaps one of the most encouraging parts of this passage today. He says in verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling in election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
Peter builds on what he says in verse 9. He reiterates the results of having these qualities. And he says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Meaning, you will never abandon God. You will never come to the place of turning your back on God and walking away. There are three Greek words for this little translation, never. He uses the Greek words, pate, which really means, it's emphatic, it will never happen. There are no conditions in which you will fall because the power of God will carry you. The power of God will be so prominent in your life that it will capture your attention, it will carry you forward, and it will keep you from falling, keep you from turning. It's kind of like if the lights are on in your house, if the refrigerator is working, if the air conditioning is blowing coolness and the fans are blowing around your house, you have no question about the fact that the power is on in your house. You don't even begin to to wonder. I I, I wonder if the power is working. Well, you can see the evidence of the power. The same is true in the Christian life. As you access and yield your heart and life to the power of God, as you see the growing and abounding change of character that is happening on the inside, There are new appetites. There are new desires. There are new ways of thinking. There's new appreciation for the wonder of who God is. There's there's new uh, potency in your fruitfulness as a believer. There's new power to overcome sin. When you see those things happening in your life, you don't have to ever wonder if God is real and if his power is is, is living in you. And that's what Peter wants this church to do to understand. He, he wants them to come to this place of absolute confidence and certainty because they were a church that were driven around. They were a church that was experiencing tremendous hardship. As we saw in 1 Peter chapter 1, oh, it talked about the, the, the refining of their life and the, and the challenges that they were experiencing, the testing of their faith. And yet they could Remain true and stable and confident and secure and fixed and not falling because they saw and experienced, enjoyed the power of God in their life. And those of us who are diligent, those of us who make every effort as Peter is calling this church to, will be able to enjoy the same benefits of confirmation. And, and by the way, this isn't that we do something to earn our faith. It's not so that we do something even to secure our faith because our faith is secure in Christ, but that what we do in accessing the power helps to assure us in the work that has been done on our behalf. And John will say the same thing in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. He says, and now, little children, Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. If you show the nature of God 
as we saw in verse 3. The divine nature has come and has changed your life. You have escaped the corruption that's in this world. You see the presence of God, the power of God, and you say, yes, God has made me his own. He has changed me from the inside out. And I have no reason to question, not only that he is coming back, but there's no reason to question that he will hold me to the end because he's working in me now. And so we get to verse 11, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what Peter is saying is, is you can live in the heaven now. You can live in the reality of heaven today as you enjoy the escaping of corruption that is in the world and live in the reality of your new citizenship, your new identity in Christ, and his power is helping you to overcome all of the stumblings of this world and you can live as a resident of heaven even as you're walking on this earth and as your life shows the evidence of that change you can invite and welcome others to know and see the gospel in living color as they see Christ in you they see the gospel in you they see the the power of change that's happened in you And your life then becomes a beacon, a light of the gospel to those around you who so desperately need Christ. Oh, may God help us to live in power, to access power so that we can enjoy the benefits of fruitfulness and the benefits of faithfulness. God, thank you for the promise of this passage today. Thank you for the hope that we don't have to do any of this, that all we have to do is be diligent to let you work instead of getting in the way. All we have to do is to to get out of the way ourselves and to give you access to our lives to pursue knowledge of you so that the power of God can be at work to cultivate and change us from the inside out. And as this happens, Lord, I pray that we would be a beacon of the gospel, that not only from our mouth, but from our life, from our service, from uh, our interactions with people that we would proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we can call others into that same light. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming this morning. God bless you this week.